0: Good morning. A couple of perfect songs to sing after Larry's announcement. It, it makes my eyes water to hear the, the worship and the praise and the excitement. It wasn't always that way. In our letter from home, I uh, teased you with Larry's announcement. I didn't mention that Larry was involved or what it was about, but I teased you with it in the hope of creating some suspense about the big reveal we heard this morning. It's one thing to create suspense. It's another to live in suspense. Creating suspense gets your attention and creates anticipation. It's the reason people binge watch episodes on Netflix because they always end with a little suspense and you can't wait to watch it. You've got to watch it right now. Living in suspense gets frustrating. An undecided state of uncertainty anxiety, doubt, is no fun. In fact, we have an expression for it. We call it, well, we say, the suspense is killing me. As part of creating that suspense, uh, I said Psalm 123 is the perfect psalm for the news today. Psalm 123, you see, ends in suspense. And for me, it's the right psalm. It's the perfect psalm. It could be the theme psalm of my life these last 20 years, 20 years of suspense. So let's read Psalm 123, verses 1 through 4 a song of ascents. To you I lift up my eyes, O you who are enthroned in the heavens. Behold, as the eyes of servants look to the hand of their master, as the eyes of a maidservant to the hand of her mistress so our eyes look to the Lord our God till he has mercy upon us. Have mercy upon us, Lord. Have mercy upon us. For we have had more than enough of contempt. Our soul has had more than enough of the scorn of those who are at ease of the contempt Of the proud. If we just walk through these four verses very quickly, we see that one pilgrim, the psalmist, this one pilgrim begins, To you I lift up my eyes. And then, as it were, he is saying, Turn with me to the Lord. And verse two, Moves to the plural, encompassing all of those who would join him in turning to the Lord. And he expresses and describes our posture before the Lord. The disposition and attitude of our hearts toward the Lord. As slaves, we look to the hand of the Lord. The hand is a symbol of power, of authority. In Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, I think we're all familiar with this proverb. Life and death are in the hand of the tongue. No, that's not the way we translate it. But that's what the Hebrew reads. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. But the word for power is hand. We look to the hand of the Lord, who is our master. And we are lowly as servants, as slaves, totally and entirely dependent upon his authority, on his power, on his approval, on his pleasure. On his permission we look to the Lord verse 2 says until he has mercy on us so our gaze is sustained we don't give up we don't quit we stand firm as others start to move on or move away or quit or go home or give it up or doubt. Verses three and four are so very honest. I can't take it anymore. Not just the initial pilgrim, but all the pilgrims that have joined him. Instead of saying, I can't take it anymore, to ourselves and quitting and moving on to some other solution or source of help, the pilgrims say to the Lord, to whose hand we look, to Him who has the authority and the power. I can't take it any Lord anymore. Lord, have mercy. Show us your grace. We need your benevolence, we need your help. We're discouraged, we're full of it. In fact, he says, we're fed up. You don't believe me. The word is literally in Hebrew and Greek, whatever the translation, we are filled to the full, we can't take it anymore, that's the sense. We're fed up, Lord. Enough. In fact, he re- repeats, be gracious, be gracious to us, have mercy, which gives us a sense of how troubled the pilgrims' hearts are over what they have to endure. We have nowhere else to go, but you are our only hope, Lord. We wait upon you for your mercy and provision. And so we're left in suspense, and the psalm breaks off. The psalm, as I said, could be the theme song of the last 20 years for me. August to December 5th, 1999, I prayerfully weighed God's call to Grace Community Church. The decision would have been a whole lot easier at least in my thinking, if the property were not a significant part of the responsibility. I took the whole thing very solemnly with fear and trembling. This was not a job. It was discerning the call of God. And the call of God, as it was presented to me, included shepherding the church to the property that the church had already purchased. I'd never done anything like that before. (laughs) You don't flippantly say yes to decisions like that when you know everybody's going to be leaning on you for however long it takes. Along the way, we, so many, stood fast, stayed true, and we who stayed true to the work of the Lord here at Grace, which included often on the side or just in the shadow of the bright lights of what we were doing, the property. And along the way, we looked to the hand of the Lord as slaves because we were entirely and completely dependent on His provision. Even though the psalm ends in a state of suspense, in a similar situation, another sufferer anticipates God's answer using the same word fed up in Lamentations chapter 3, verses 30 through 33. Let him offer his cheek to one who would strike him. Sounds like what Jesus tells his followers to do. Turn the other cheek and let him be fed up or filled with insults. In other words, just absorb it all. Just take it. That's not the way the world works, is it? No one is cast off by the Lord forever. And there is the anticipation that is not given to us in Psalm 123, but it is given to us by the writer of Lamentations 3, verses 30 through 33. God will come through. God will not cast us off forever forever. Though he brings grief, he will show compassion. So great is his unfailing love. For he does not willingly bring affliction or grief to anyone. That was written in the early days of the exile when the Jews of the land, aristocracy, poor and weak, included, were all carried off to Babylon. Our psalm, I strongly believe, was written in the wake of the return from exile. The time of Nehemiah, when they were trying to rebuild and reestablish themselves in the land, and those people that were there loaded them down and filled them up with insults and scorn and ridicule. Where's your God? How are you going to make it here? Look at your situation. Look at how difficult it is. In these 20 years, you and so many have turned to the Lord with me, lifting our eyes to the hand of God, even though a steady state of suspense is hard On numerous occasions and in miraculous ways, we've seen God's hand. No greater have we seen his hand than this year. In the midst of a pandemic, in the worst of times, as we say, out of nowhere, we say, God hands us a huge answer to prayer. We knew we were going to sell the property. We knew we didn't know where we were going to go. We knew God would find a way, show a way, make a way. We never imagined this way. It is a glorious way. It is a truly glorious thing. Turn to the Lord. Lift your eyes to God. Pray your God. Pray our God high when you pray. Pray him high when you pray. Lift up your eyes to him. Not over, not down. Lift up your eyes. Where are you looking for the Lord of all majesty and glory? You're looking to him who is enthroned on high, in the heavens. So we begin our prayers, our pleas, our turning to the Lord by exalting him, praying him high by the way we pray, enthroning him. And enthroning him stirs our affections for the Lord by exercising our awareness of just who it is we're praying to, And where he is, above it all, greater than it all, mightier than it all. And nothing we're going through has not been gone through by those who have gone before us in trusting the Lord. Not any of us. We can expect great things from God, and this is how we lift our eyes into the Lord and how we appreciate just how exalted is he who is enthroned in the heavens. When we exalt him, when we exalt him, we're telling him we recognize his unlimited might, his steadfast love, his new mercies every day, his saving work in Jesus Christ on the cross. We pray our God high. We pray ourselves humble. Verse 2, behold, as the eyes of the servant look to the hand of their master, as the eyes of a maidservant of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God till he has mercy on us. Too often we pray with pride, like we only need God for the heavy-duty stuff. Looking to the Lord like servants is humbling. Servants look to their master's hand for guidance, for protection, for provision, for everything. We need the hand of God for everything. And he wants to be our hand. To pray ourselves humble, we need to tell God who we are. Tell him who you are. Tell him who you really are. What's inside you? Who it is that's coming before him? Tell him, admit your weaknesses. Admit your needs. Admit your selfishness. Admit your need for a savior. Then God will recognize you then God will recognize me. I do know you, who you really are, what you really need. Don't come to me with your high hand. Come to me with your face and your eyes down in the sense of humility and need and lowliness because I know that's where you're really at. Don't disguise yourself. Don't display something that you display to others, to me. Beatrice Brown wrote a beautiful hymn. Mahila Jackson made it famous. Without God, my life would be drifting like a ship without a sail. Without God, I could do nothing. Without God, I surely would fail. It's because of God I have, because of God I have purpose that you and I can turn to him. We pray our God high and we pray ourselves humble and we pray our heart out. Have mercy upon us, O Lord. Have mercy upon us for we have had more than enough of contempt. Our soul has had more than enough scorn of those who are at ease of the contempt of the proud. Prayer should be reverent. To make it reverent, make it real. Speak to the Lord with holy honesty. The psalmist says, I'm getting by. I hope you'll help me at some point. No, he says, I can't take it anymore, Lord. I'm fed up. That's honest to God. His pleas reveal his burdened heart. To the best of his ability, he is pouring out his heart. That's when honesty replaces formality. Formality gets in the way of our affections, of our heart. But it's our heart that God wants to hear. The Lord prefers honesty and affection to cold formality. Tell the Lord how you feel. Like these pilgrims in Psalm 123, tell him what you're tired of. Tell God how you're struggling. Tell him how you're coping. Tell him about your anger. Tell him about your unforgiveness that lurks in your heart. Tell the Lord what causes you sorrow and brings you tears. And tell him what brings you joy and what made you glad this last week. Tell God what you're hoping for and tell him the desires of your heart. He is your God. He is your Lord. He cares for you. How much does he care for you? Have you forgotten? Then let us remember. Let us remember, let us remember in the bread and the cup that Jesus gave us to remind us, to call us back to the truth, to call us back to our being in God through Jesus Christ. The bread representing his incomprehensible love, unfathomable love for you and for me. Giving his life, and in giving his life for you and for me, indicating our value to him, our worth to him. What pride would he not take in you? Especially as we become more and more like Jesus, Which is the purpose for which he died. Which is the purpose for God's love. That we might grow closer and more intimate to the very heart of God. His grace, his mercy, his tenderness. The beauty of God in the creation. And all that he has planned for you, his people. And in the cup. The new covenant. The new covenant. Not the old covenant. The covenant for all future. All future. It will not be eclipsed by any other covenant. It is the new life in Christ. It is grounded in the resurrection and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. No resurrection, no new covenant. No resurrection, no Holy Spirit. No resurrection, No church, for the church is the people of God who are indwelt by God, by Holy Spirit, God's Spirit. We are a unique people. We are a new race in Christ. This is what we're to remember as we go through difficult times, that we might show the true power of God. The great love of God that does not crumble, bend, break, or run in the face of small difficulties, small hardships, let alone big ones. This is what we remember as we take this bread and this cup. The love of God, not just for me and not just for us, not just for grace, but for the whole world people that have yet to know what we know to embrace this majestic work of god in jesus christ this liberating this true true liberty freedom in christ no longer enslaved by the hardships we face or the difficulties we soar above these things in the power and the purpose And the future and the hope of Jesus Christ, his resurrection, vindicating, validating his death on the cross in this bread and this cup. If you have your bread and your cup, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had blessed, he gave thanks, and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Take indeed. deep. same way after supper the cup also saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood Often, as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. We'll bear the suspense until He comes. God bless you. Love you.